we're going to dive in today to, uh, to part five. We're talking about the fifth statement that Jesus made in this series, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And here's what we know. Bad days come and bad days go, right? And if, you're go- if your life is, man, you're smooth sailing right now, things are going great, you're loving it, life is good, we are proud for you. Man, we are cheering you on, but just hold on. Bad, bad days are just around the corner, and I'm just trying to encourage you a little bit, just kind of lift you up. You know, bad days are coming. Isn't that good encouragement, right? But the truth is, is they, they do happen, and so we got to just be ready in the middle of the bad day for what, what do we do? How do we handle this? So what we're doing is we're studying how Jesus went through his bad days. How did he handle it? How did he respond? What, when he faced adversity, what, what did he do? And we're studying his worst day ever. The bad day that Jesus had was on the cross. So that's, that's the day that we're, that we're studying, all right? So let's go to our theme verse in your notes uh, and up on the screen. If you've got your notes with you, you can take notes with me today. But uh, in your notes, you want to uh, follow along with me. It says, this is our theme verse, keep your eyes on Jesus. Man, that'll preach right there. That is so good. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that, we in, that we're in. So it's important for us to know that we have somebody we can lean on, to have somebody that we can trust who's been there and done that. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they have experienced the, all, the trials that we're facing today. He's been there. So keep your eyes on Jesus, the, the one. He both began and finished the race that we're in. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to study how he did it. We're going to look, look at it. Jesus, how did you process your bad day? How did you get through it? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, right? And because he never lost sight of where he was headed, where he was headed was that, that finish line, right? It was, the, it, was that, it was reaching that goal. He never lost sight. He, he could put up with anything. He could, he could put up with anything that came his way, the cross, shame, whatever, and right now, the scripture says he's at the right hand of God. He's, he's right there alongside God in heaven. One translation says he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you and me. He's, he is going to bat for us. He's pleading our case. He's taking your hand and putting it in the hand of the Father. That's, that's good. And so that's what he's doing right now. So here's, here's what I want us to do. Let's, let's go back to the crucifixion. Jesus is hanging on the cross. This is his, it's the final countdown. And I don't even know why that song just popped in my mind. The final countdown, right? It just popped in my mind. I had to say it, right? So he's hanging on the cross, his final breath, moments of way. But there's a few things Jesus needs to say. He's got to get a, a few more statements off of his chest. He needs to say these things. And, and he's, he's hurting, man. He is exhausted. He is hanging on the cross now for six hours. He's been hanging on the cross. He's dehydrated. He's lost so much blood because of the sweat, the tears, the, the anxiety, the depression that he was under at that moment. He's lost, he's lost blood. He's dehydrated. He's, he's traumatized in this moment. I mean, there's one more thing he, he needs, though, and he needs somebody to help him. He needs somebody to help him. And it's kind of crazy to think that Jesus, the Son of God, would need somebody to help him. But let's go to John chapter 19 and see what happens here. It says, while he's on the cross, later, while he's hanging there, knowing that all was now completed. In other words, it's finished. Jesus 
is paving the way for us to have a relationship with Him uh, so that the Scripture could be fulfilled, that we could have life and have it to the full, Jesus says these three words, I am thirsty. And that doesn't seem like much, does it? And it doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, okay, he's thirsty. Get the guy some, something to drink. Get him something to, to, to drink. Let him, let him have something. But here's the deal. His thirst was, was really to replenish his energy. Remember, he's, he's almost bled out. He's suffering. And he's got, I, I don't know, the only way I can describe it is like cotton Cotton mouth, you know what I'm saying, where your, your mouth is so dry, like your tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth, and, and your lips are chapped, and you, you, ever, you ever been like that, just so thirsty? And that's kind of, I think, the way Jesus probably was. He, he needs to say a few more things, but first, he needs to clear his throat. First, he needs just a little bit more energy to say it. And so here's, here's the deal. In, in this moment, Jesus needs something to drink. He's asking for help. But know this, he had already been offered a drink earlier in the day and refused it. So why? That's kind of strange, right? Have you ever noticed when you read it that he, he was offered a, a wine concoction and he tasted it and he said, no thanks. But the reason why he said no thanks is because it had medication and it had a painkiller in it that would dull his pain, but it would also reduce his mental capacity. And Jesus, the Son of God, wanted to remain in full control of his final moments. See, he had promised that no one can take my life, I willingly lay it down. So if he had, if he had taken the painkiller, he wouldn't have been all there in that moment, in his final moments. He, and, and here's what he chose to do. He chose not to escape the pain, he chose to endure the pain for you and for me. He chose to endure it. We were the joy we were the reason why he endured the pain. So in this moment, Jesus teaches us that no one is so in control. No one is so spiritual. No one is so self-sufficient. No one has their act together to the point where they don't need anybody else when they're going through a bad day. And so what Jesus teaches us is lesson number five, that we have to acknowledge, we have to be human enough to acknowledge our own needs. That's lesson number five. In our bad day, we have to be human enough to acknowledge, I can't do this on my own. I need somebody else. Are you with me today? Man, it, this is good. I'm, I'm thinking to preach. It's going to be good. Y'all go with me. Right? So, so Jesus teaches us we've got to have somebody else in our bad day. And this is, this is tough for us as humans, right? Because we like to put on this facade that we got it all together. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've got it. Like, I'm, everything's going well, things are, things are okay, I'm, I'm happy. We don't ever like to, to put on, like, we don't want people to know that, that we're struggling in any way. And I'll, I'll say it like this, we don't want anybody to, to know we're weak, that we have a weakness. We don't want anybody to know that, that, uh, that there's a different side of us. We struggle to let people know about the real us, don't we? So that happens when we meet people, you know, like maybe you see somebody this morning at church and they go, man, how you doing today? And you're like, glory to God. I'm blessed and highly favored. The Lord is, his grace is upon me. And you're like, really? That's, that's awesome. Kind of a strange answer, but I was just looking for good. Or, or here's, here's some other ones. Probably, we probably say things like this, man, how you doing today? 
dude, if I was any better, I would be a twin. You ever, you ever heard that one said? If I, was, if I was any better, I'd be a twin. Okay, I don't, I'm not so sure really what that means either. Or um, how, how are you? How's things going? And, and you say something like, man, I can't complain. It wouldn't do any good anyway. You ever, you ever heard that one or said that one? And I think probably there's a little bit of truth in there where, like, you really want somebody to complain to. <laughs> I just wish somebody would listen to me, but it won't do any good, so I'm just going to, I won't say anything, right? Or maybe we say, this is, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> we say, dude, how, how are you? Man, I'm just chilling like a villain from the floor to the ceiling. And then somebody starts beatboxing right in the background. You start making rhymes right there. You're like, yeah, and you just start adding to it. Like, I'm just chilling like a villain on penicillin. <laughs> or, right, yeah, so why? Yeah, so, so man, you, you make, you just, we, we create these kind of, like, facades. Okay, then, then we say, man, how, how's it going? How are you? I don't know if they say this in Texas, but in Alabama, There'd be some people say, man, how are you? Dude, I'm just hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. I don't even know what that means, but it's gross. Like, you're like, hey, let's get some, let's get some Purell and wash our hands. That's strange. Or, uh, man, you doing okay? It's all good in the hood. We, we're good. We're good. Like, just... You know, keep it surface level. We don't want anybody to know. But really, very rarely do we open up when, when things aren't going well. In fact, it actually happened to me this week. I was at an event, and somebody, I asked, how you doing? And the way they responded was, it's kind of refreshing because they didn't say all of that, like, oh, I'm good. No, they said, I'm not doing great, really. Um, they, they had a, it's, don't laugh, it's going to sound funny, but they had a pet chicken that passed away, right? And... <laughs> And so it, it's tough. I mean, it's a pet chicken, and, like, it, it hurt. And so, but they were human enough to say, no, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm struggling right now. I'm, I had to deal with that first thing. And so it, it's refreshing when somebody's willing to acknowledge, I need a little bit of help. I need to get through this. So here's, here's why I think we don't open up. It's, it's based out of fear. We're fearful. We're worried. We're afraid. That if I say something, man, it's, it's going to come back to get me, or it's going to make me look weak, or I'm going to look like I don't have it all together. And, and that's kind of the whole point of transparency. It's kind of the whole point of being real. So I want to give you some roadblocks that I've found over the years, roadblocks to us being real. Number one in your notes right there, this roadblock is the fear of being hurt. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be real because I don't want to get hurt again. I've been hurt once and I learned my lesson, I'm not going to do it again. So we put on this mask, we wear this facade. I'm not going to let, I'm, I'm going to be strong enough. Sticks and stones might break my bones. Words will never hurt me. You'll never see on my face. I'll never let on that what you did or said hurt me. And so we just put on this facade and we wear this mask. But David said in Psalm chapter 32, he said, when I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. But, and, and here's the deal, the pressure never let up when I kept it all inside. The, all the juices of my life dried up. I just, it just, it was, there's nothing to it. But then I love this part. He said, I let it all out. And he said, I'll make a clean breast of, of my failures to God. I'm going to get a do-over with God. I'm going to let it all out in the open. And when he did that, 
suddenly the pressure was gone. So notice the highlights. When I kept it all in, the pressure never let up. It never ended. But when I let it all out, suddenly the pressure was gone. It, it, it was amazing what happened. The second reason or the second roadblock we face when it comes to, to being real is, is we have a fear of being rejected. Man, if, if I say something, if I do something, if I let on that I'm not doing well, that I'm in a bad day, maybe, maybe people won't want to be around me. They'll reject me. Or maybe it was a rejection of what somebody said. We've all faced rejection. I can promise you that, whether it was on the basketball court and you were the last guy chosen, or whether it was some harsh words that your spouse spoke to you, we faced rejection. We've been there. And I think one of the one of the most common methods of rejection today is social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's social media. So we'll, we're going to harp on that just a little bit. And listen, I use social media. I get it. But nobody ever posts their bad days. Nobody ever says, man, uh, well, sometimes they do, and usually we just block those people, right? Um, but maybe that's their way of crying out. I'm not sure. But, but what happens on social media is we, we have this comparison trap, and we see how so-and-so's doing on social media, and man, man why is their life so much better than mine? It's because all they ever post is their highlights. All they ever share is, is what's going great in their life. And they don't share the argument they had on their way to church and they finished right before they got out of their car. <laughs> I mean, nobody ever does that, right? You never argue on the way to church. Quiet back there. Nobody ever does that. One more peep out of your mouth and, and I'm, I'm going to wear you out. No, no. And then you get out. How you doing? Oh, I'm great, man. How are you? <laughs> nobody ever post those moments. And so we have this comparison trap that we're living in. We see the highlights and we go, my life is not like that. And we have this, we, it's going to lead to rejection every single time. In fact, um, John Richter, who's the, he's the, the public policy director for Mental Health Association, he says he believes that social media is, it is exacerbating this trend of anxiety and depression in the world. And, and studies show, tons of studies will show you that our, our rise in depression and anxiety and fear and all of those things, bullying, it, it's all rooted and based out of social media because it's actually not social anymore. Uh, it's electronic, period. There is no socialism. There's no socializing in social media. Teachers say that they're having to reteach their kids how to communicate to one another and have problem-solving skills because everything they do is electronic and not social. There's no skills there anymore. And, and he says, uh, this is incredible, he says, researchers are finding that when somebody develops depression and they withdraw from their peers, and then they log on to social media, they see their, their friends having a great time. They see their friends having fun. They're at parties. They're, their life is looking good. This is what happens it actually magnifies their sense of isolation, and they withdraw even further. The Child Mind Institute says that youth with a stronger emotional investment in social media are likely to have higher levels of anxiety because they're, they're too invested. The, everything is based on, on this kind of make-believe life that we have on social media. 
And, and David said in Psalm 139, he says it this way. He says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Did you know that, man, you're not supposed to be like everybody else. You're not supposed to dress the same as everybody else. You're not supposed to drive the same car as everybody else. You're not supposed to live in the same kind of house. You're not supposed to have the same kind of parents. You're not supposed to have the same everything. No, you're, you're different. You're not supposed to have the same mentality or mindset. Everybody's wonderfully complex. God created you that way, but here's the problem. Most of us do not know it well. And if we knew how well God had made us, then we wouldn't deal so much with rejection. Can I say that again? If we knew how well God had made us, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't deal with rejection as, as much as we have to because we know who we are in Christ. So there's the fear of, of being hurt. There's the fear of rejection. There's the fear of being exposed. That's number three. We have this fear of being exposed, and we think that nobody else could possibly know what it feels like to, to walk in our shoes. Nobody else in all of the world is going through or has ever gone through what I'm going through at this moment. Nobody knows how I feel. Nobody knows about this. And here's the deal. The enemy will use that kind of tactic. He'll use that kind of tactic to convince you that you are your sin or that you are your issue, that, that your sin defines you or that your bad day defines you or that your addiction defines you. The enemy will convince you that you are the way you are because, because that's just who you are and there's nothing you can do about it and you'll never get out of your addiction. You'll never find freedom. You'll never have a true friend. You'll he convinces you of that, but can I tell you today that you are not your past. You are not your mistakes. You are not your failures. You are a child of God. That's who you are. Amen? Yeah. So what you'll find also is when you open up with somebody, I, I feel like I can make this promise to you. When you find a group of people that you can open up to, what you're going to find is that somebody in that group has been through what you're going through. They know what you're going through. You're not alone. You're not isolated. Amen? So those are roadblocks. Those are reasons why we won't be open, be transparent, be real. And, but, but the key to overcoming the roadblocks is the transparency. It is being real. That's the only way we can get past it. So like, like is, is there no back way? Is there no, do I have to really open up? Well, if you want freedom, yeah. If you want to get past those things, if you want to overcome the hurdles, the roadblocks, yeah, you got to be real with some people. And so this week, the Lord just, I felt like he gave me five things that I don't really... I really don't know how to present them to you, like if they're five keys or if they're five reasons or like five ways that God wants you. I don't know. So I'm just going to give you these five things. But it's in line with in, in your bad day, when you're trying to overcome a bad day, when you're trying to be real and transparent with people, these are some things that you need to consider. Number one is you, you need to find your community. You, you've got to find your community. You can call them your tribe, your posse, your group, your family. I don't care what you, what you call them. Just find a group. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend, a friend sharpens another friend. That's what we do for each other. 
We can't do it on our own. We need somebody else to sharpen us, to point out ways that we can grow, to give us some wisdom and guidance along the way. And you don't have to be like, like your community, finding your community is the group of people where you can take the mask off, where you can, you can just be real with them. You don't have to be a poser. You know what a poser is? Like if you're a skateboarder, right? Probably not a lot of those in here today. I skateboarded at one time, and I was not. I was. I was what you would have called a poser because I was. I mean, I tried it. I loved it, but I wasn't great at it. And I was goofy footed, which has nothing to do with goofy footed. Just means the way you stand. And so uh, a poser was somebody. Man, they had all the stuff, but they maybe they couldn't do all the tricks. And I could do a couple, but man, they they couldn't do certain things. They just looked the part, but they weren't really a skateboarder. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you have the right people. You don't have to be a poser. You don't have to pretend. You, don't have, you just be like, yeah, I don't have it figured out. I don't have the answers. I need some help in my life. I'm going through a bad day. Can somebody help me out along the way? And, and listen, I'm telling you with 100% confidence that you don't have to look any further than right here at City Hope Church to find community. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you, yes, you can find community at the gym. You can find it at, uh, at work. You can find community in the PTA, in the Mom's Day Out. You can find community uh, in many places. But the best community is biblical community. And I'm going to say it a different way. Biblical community is the best community. It, it just is. And so right here, you can find all the community you want. You can get plugged in. You can, you can start serving with people and making a difference with people. But you got to do it with the right people because we're better together. We're better when we're together. Hebrews 10 says, let's just see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and, and helping out. Let's just, it's almost like a contest. Let's, let's, not, let's not speak bad words anymore. Let's just encourage one another. Let's just lift each other up. And that's what we do in community. We sharpen each other. And small groups are the way that we do that here at City Hope. We're launching small groups in June, and I know that's just around the corner, but we're launching groups in June. But if you're hungry for community right now, then come back to the church next week. Go to Growth Track at the, uh, at the end of either service. Get plugged in. Start serving. Start making a difference, serving other people, using your gifts and passions. And I'm telling you, that community right there will ignite a fire inside of you. It makes a difference in you when you're making a difference in somebody else. Amen? So we've got to find community. The second thing is we've got to communicate your need. When you find community, then you have to verbalize it. You can't just expect people to know like what you need. You have to, you have to tell somebody. You have, to, you have to express, man, I need you. I need some help. You, you have to communicate it. You've got to be human enough to acknowledge, I need some help. I need somebody. But the problem is we believe we can do it on our own. Like, man, I'm good. I, I, I can do this. I can press through. I can, I can get through this day. No, the Bible says two are better than one. <laughs> and it says that uh, three are even better than that. A, three, a, three, a, a cord of three braids is not easily broken. That's a small group right there. When you get together and do life with one another, communicate your need. The third thing is celebrate your victories. When you're going through a bad day, it's super easy to spot everything that's going wrong. Are y'all with me today? 
Oh, man, I'm telling you, it is easy. It's like, well, we can make a list a mile long of everything that's not going well. And you've got to know that attitudes are contagious. Like your attitude in your bad day is contagious. Negativity will breed negativity 100% of the time. Positivity will breed positivity 100% of the time. So when you're going through your bad day, it may be very difficult to find something that's going good, but you need to find it and you need to praise God for it and you need to tell everybody else about it too. Amen? You've got, you've got to vocalize. You've got to praise God for what's going right in your life. If you don't, you end up what, what I call, you end up being... An Eeyore. Oh, oh, he is exactly what you just said. Oh, look how cute he is. Eeyore, he is so precious. But he's the most negative guy on the planet. Eeyore's like, well, that'll never work for me. I'll never be able to do something like that. Oh, that only happens to pastors. <laughs> Nothing good ever comes my way. Right, e Eeyore, he's the one that's bringing you down. And it might be all in your mind because you, you just love Eeyore. You, it's like the Stockholm Syndrome. Man, you, you just, like, you hate being the captive, but you, you love your captor. You hate being in prison, but you, you love the people who've got you in prison. And, and Eeyore's like that. Oh, he's just, he's adorable. He's harmless. He doesn't mean what he says. It might be all in your head or it might be somebody else in your life that's constantly bringing you down. You've got to celebrate some victories along the way so that you can overcome that. Sometimes what you've got to do is you just got to get Eeyore like this and you've got to pun him. You just got to, you got to get Eeyore out of your life. You've got to throw him from the train because he's bringing you down. Come on, somebody. You've got to get him out of your life. Celebrate what's going well. Celebrate what's, what's happening right. And don't pick Eeyore back up. Don't be like, oh, Eeyore, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Eeyore can, he can handle it. He can stay over there. I, get, get Eeyore out of our life. Um, there was, um, you, know, you know the people, right? Most negative people in the world. Well, one of those was my grandmother. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, she uh, uh, nearly outlived most of her most of her kids, but I remember the day that my mom passed away, I had to call my grandmother and tell her that my mom had died, and that was a tough call. Now, I'm, I'm just setting this up for you. My grandmother talked like this, and she dipped snuff, and, it, and it, like, she, yeah. Benji! That's the way she talked. She'd say, Benji, huh? crack that window over there. And that meant roll the window down in the, in the car. Crack the window. Crack the winder, though. It was winder. Well, I called Momo to tell her mom didn't make it. I said, mom didn't make it. And she lost it like you would expect any mother to do. She lost it on the phone. But this negativity, here's what I'm talking about. The first words in a complete sentence that came out of her mouth were about one of my brothers. And I won't use his name, but she said, ah, he's just going to go kill himself. And I thought, dear God, why would you even say that? Why would you let those words come out of your mouth? What? And it was just, it was, a neg it was negativity. It was Eeyore. And then at the funeral home, my grandmother, uh, we're talking, and, and my aunt, Shirley, she had cancer at the time as well, and, and she's just talking about, I just knew she's going to die on the way to the funeral home. I was like, why would, why would she die on the way here? 
She wasn't going to die. It's okay, Momo. But she just had this negative perception about everything, and nothing was going to be okay. Nothing was going to be all right. And, and uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to throw mama from the train. You know what I'm saying? Like, get rid of Eeyore. And if you're still struggling with, with that, if you're still struggling with negativity, the, the fourth thing I would say that God wants to do in your life and he, he wants you to do is to make a new confession. Man, you're struggling through it. You're going through some tar- tough times. You're, you're, making, you're going through a bad day. Whatever it is, you need to make a new confession. You need to change the words that are coming out of your mouth. And instead of it all being negative, find out what the Bible says about you. See, Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Most of the time, we stop reading right there, and we just quote, man, the tongue has the power of life and death, and that's, that's 100% true. But read the, the, the last part of it. It says, those who love their tongue, those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's the Ben Murray translation. Your life will be good or bad based on what the words that come out of your mouth. I'm not a name it, claim it kind of guy, but I believe that you have power in your, in your words. And if everything's always negative, guess what? Your life is always going to be negative. I, it's just the way it's going to be. But if, but if you're praising God through the hard times, if you can find the ability to celebrate the victories and, and find your group and, and communicate your needs and, and, and you can make some confessions along the way and those confessions will turn a corner for your life. They will. Here's what the Bible says about you. You need to know this. These are some confessions that you can cling to. You can hold on to these. Confess who you are in Jesus Christ. Use the word of God to confess that I am alive with Christ. You are alive in Christ. Confess that you are free from the law of sin and death. In other words, you you are not an addict anymore in Jesus' name. You don't have to have that addiction in your life anymore. I am far from oppression and fear does not come near my house. I, I don't have to live in a spirit of fear because I have love, power, and a sound mind. Amen? Confess that, that you're alive with Christ, that you're born of God, that the evil one cannot touch you. Confess that you are holy and without blame before Jesus in love. I have the mind of Christ. I have peace that passes understanding and joy unspeakable, full of glory, fills my life. I, I, I have the greater one living in me, and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That is a confession I can make. I, do, I don't have to lack for anything because God will supply my needs according to his riches and glory. When I feel under attack and I feel like I'm, I'm going through a bad day because I'm rejected or whatever, you need to know that you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy because he's given you a shield of faith that the Bible talks about in Ephesians. It's the armor of God and and that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I show forth the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm God's child. I'm God's workmanship. I'm a new creation. I am loved. I'm full of faith. I am forgiven. I am blessed. That is who you are in Jesus Christ. It's who you are. So you lean into it. You confess it. I'm, I'm not a victim anymore. I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen. The last thing that I, I think the Lord will lead us into, and he, he strengthens us along the way to be able to do this, number five is to change your mind. To change your mind. If, if all of your life has been going in this one direction of life is bad and it, 
it never gets good and and nothing good ever happens and you're you're struggling with confessions and, and you're struggling with your celebrating the victories or negativity. We've got to change our mind. See, in the middle of a bad day, here's what I know. The idle mind is the devil's playground. Man, when, when you have nothing else to think about, the enemy will just wear you out. He'll wear you out. So when it comes to changing our minds, we have to make a decision to turn from the way we've been going. I call it stinking thinking, right? It's just stinking thinking. I said it this way. I heard it said this way when I was growing up, that you can't soar with the eagles if you're clucking with the chickens. You know what I mean? Like, you're thinking way down here, and God's saying, no, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I'm calling you up higher. I'm calling you to think a little bit differently. God's calling us to change our minds, change the way that we've been thinking about things. To change is to just simply uh, replace one thing for another thing. And I'm telling you this right now with, with boldness today, that if, if you're just sitting around thinking about how bad your day is and you're dwelling on the past and you're dwelling about things that you can't change, it's not going to make anything better. It won't, make, it, won't, it won't change anything for you. Romans, I'm sorry, it's Philippians actually, Philippians 4, Paul really calls the Philippians out in, into a, a life change here, into changing their mind, and he says, look, Summing it all up, guys, here's what you need to do. Fill your minds by, and, and, and meditate on things that are true, things that are noble, reputable. Can I just say that we, we I'm just going to stop right there on true because so many times we, we think and we, we chew and we think on things that are untrue. We have no proof. And, 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 and it's, maybe it's something that happened or something that was said, and we, we just do what sociologists say and psychologists say is ruminating. And we just think about it and think about it and think about it. And, we have, and it's, it's not true. It's not noble. It's not reputable. It's not authentic. And here's what Paul says. He says, you need to think about the best, not the worst. Some of us, we have this inclination to go worst case scenario. Life is bad. Somebody, your spouse doesn't answer their phone. Where are they? They're dead in a ditch somewhere. Just worst case scenario. He says, think about the beautiful. Don't worry about the ugly. Think about things to praise and not to curse. Put into practice what you've been learning, what you heard, what you saw, what you realized. And when you do that, God, who makes everything work together, will will work you into his most excellent plan. I want to close out with this. Psychologists use the term ruminating or rumination when, when, we, when we can't seem to stop thinking about certain things. And, and according to psychology today, ruminating is simply repetitively going over a thought or a problem without completion. Is when you just you keep going back to it, and there's never resolution. There's never light at the end of the tu- the tunnel. It's it typically has to do with your 
with, with feelings of inadequacy or worthlessness. And when you feel that way, the repetition, feeling, the feelings of inadequacy, they pile up and they raise the anxiety level. And then anxiety interferes with being able to bring a solution to the problem. And then the depression deepens. And it's this cycle of thinking about it, becoming anxious about it, not getting any resolution about it, and depression. And, and then we're, we're depressed because there's no resolution and the anxiety level raises and it's just a cycle that we get into. And, and can, I, can I tell you that I know mental, like mental health is real. Mental illness is real. Depression, anxiety, fear, and worry. As a pastor, I acknowledge that. It's real. And many of us face it in this room today. But can I also tell you that the power of God is also real. And He can break any chain of depression or anxiety or fear or worry. Rumination is also the term that we use for how cows chew their food. It, it actually, uh, it's, it's the term uh, rumination, that's kind of where it came from. They have four stomachs, a cow does, and, and they will chew the grass swallow it and what do they do to it they unswallow it swallow it again it's ruminating it's and that's what we do we have this problem i can't get past it it's 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 my bad day ben it's my bad day and it's been living it's been ruining my life how to live through a bad day i need this it's time to let god do what only god can do and in Romans chapter 12, it says, don't copy the behavior of the world. See, the world ruminates. The world thinks about it. The, the world takes revenge. And he says, don't do it that way, but do this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then when, you have cha- when your mind has been changed, when your mind is renewed, here's what's going to happen. You're going to know God's will for you. You're going to have completion. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. You you won't have to worry about it anymore. There's going to be completion, and it's good, pleasing, and perfect. Come on, y'all. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks. Let's praise Him today. Will you bow your heads with me today? Let me me just close out with this, this thought. Some of us are here today, man, and, and we do we need God to change the way that we think. We're we are ruminating. We're maybe some of you are in depression right now. You are um, there's feelings of anxiety and depression and fear and worry. You're in a bad day. You're in a moment right now where you need the power of God to just break the chains of depression and anxiety over your life. It's real. But I'm telling you, God is greater. It's real, but I'm telling you, God is able. It's real, and I'm telling you that no weapon formed against you can prosper. It's real, the feelings you're dealing with today, it's real. I know it's real. But God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or even think according to the Spirit's power that works in us. And if you're here today and you say, Ben, my mental health is under attack. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with worry. I'm going through it, Ben, and I need prayer. 
with every head bowed, just, just slip up your hand and let me see it. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are up all over this place. You are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, right where you are, let me pray for you. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against us prospers. Your word is truth. Lord, your word is power. Your word is greater. Your word is stronger. And Lord, you said in your word that you would, you would keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds on you. And so today, I'm praying for a transformation in every person who raised their hand to say, Ben, I need victory over this today. I'm going through it and I need breakthrough. I need I need completion. I need this issue solved. It's been worrying me. It's been bogging me down. I've been living in depression and anxiety. God, I call heaven's angels right now to bring victory over every one of those situations, over every one of those needs, whether it deals with family members or work issues or, or life or addictions, whatever it is, I thank you that you are greater and stronger. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the mind of Christ and that we are not victims, but we are victorious and that we, you can change our mind. What we can't do, God, you can do. So I pray that you would help, help us find community in our lives so that we have somebody that we can just get it out to, somebody that we can talk to about it, somebody that can encourage us and lift us up without fear of repercussion, without fear of being rejected or exposed or being hurt. God, I thank you that you're giving us that community, that you're helping us to have boldness enough to communicate the need. Lord, I thank you that in the middle of the, the, the bad day, in the middle of those moments, you are enabling us to celebrate victories, to see what you are doing and to lean into it, to praise you for it, to thank you for it, God. Lord, I thank you that, that we can make a new confession, that we are not our problems, we're not our past, we're not our mistakes, we're not what was done to us, we're not what was, what was said about us, God, but we are alive in you. We are children of the Most High God, and we thank you that you above all above all things, God, you can change our minds. You can renew us. You can transform us by the renewing of our thoughts, the renewing of our lives. God, today, help us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. In Jesus' name. And with your head still bowed, let me ask one more question. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ben, I need, I need to change my mind. I, I, I'm not even running towards God. I'm living far from God. I don't have a relationship with Him, and today, I'm ready I'm ready to change my life. I'm ready to change my mind about my, my sin, my, 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 my way. It doesn't have to be my way anymore, Ben. I'm turning it over. I'm surrendering to Jesus today. I'm giving my life to him. A fresh start, a new day, a clean slate. I am I'm serving God. Today's my day to change my mind about my life. I repent and I turn from my way. If that's you today, just lift up your hand where I can see it, right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Ben, that's me. I see you right there. Thank you so much. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you. I see you back there. Amen. Anybody else? Ben, that's me. I'm, I surrender. I give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Say this prayer with me, church. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. My mind is made up. I'm yours. You're my God. You're my king. You're my savior. I'm bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm yours. From this day forward, I live for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.